Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Digital Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Adams. Today's episode is brought to you by FireUsMarketing.com, where SEO solutions pave the way to digital excellence. Today, we have joining us Caleb Whittle. Caleb is currently the chief marketing officer at Private Auto. He's been called the Tom Cruise of Utah since he spends his free time on movie sets, and his run form is comparable to Tom's. He's been in marketing for over 10 years and has been a part of the digital revolution happening in several industries, ranging from outdoor sporting goods to guitars. In 2022 and 2023, Caleb was the host of a podcast called Everyday Entrepreneurs. He had over 60 episodes and focused on leaders within companies that ran their teams as if they were their own business. Welcome to the show, Caleb. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Heck yeah. So I've been waiting for this one for a long time. You had me on your podcast uh, two years ago. I did. And since that day, I was like, dang, I have got to start a podcast. And so you are one of my main inspirations for doing this. So if anything ever comes from it, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, you had some really good people on the podcast, too. So not only did I enjoy being on it, but I I listened to it every time it came out every week. And um, I learned a lot from some of the, especially some of the local people here in Utah. I made a lot of connections with them through Mm -hmm. your podcast when I went to different events and stuff. So whether you think it was successful or not, I believe that it was. I think it was a successful (laughs) thing, at least for me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe... Maybe by being on it, you're like, okay, if this guy can host a podcast, I could host a podcast. <laughs> you know, that that maybe is where that inspiration came from. Man, I'm comparing <laughs> myself to the to the Utah Tom Cruise. So I don't know. <laughs> hey, hey, there we go. Yep. Yep. Hey, so um so let's so let's just jump right into this. So the first part of the the podcast, I like the listeners to kind of get to know you as a person, where you're from, mm-hmm. um, sort of how you grew up, if if you you know, what you wanted to be when you grew up, if there was anything that you did or that your parents did that made you sort of strategic or tactical to be successful in um, the, you know, your current roles now. So tell us, tell us about Caleb. Yeah. I, uh, I initially wanted to be a fighter pilot when I grew up. No way. Um, I, I grew up next to the air force Academy over in Colorado, saw fighter planes all the time, fighter jets flying over. Um, it's funny. Cause like my parents aren't military, but um, in high school, I was in, it's called AFJROTC. It's like the military program for high school students. Yeah. And so that was like my extracurricular activity. Um, That's where I met a lot of my really good friends. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to join the Air Force. It's going to be awesome. Turns out you need good lungs and good eyesight to be in the Air Force. And I have neither. I have asthma and I'm like practically blind in my right eye. So couldn't do that. Um, and so then I would say like senior of high school, I was like, all right, instead of flying them, I'll build them. And that's kind of what drove where I went to school because I started in aerospace engineering as my undergrad. Yeah. Um, which was pretty fun. Uh, and then after I, I lived out of the country for a couple of years, serving a mission for, for my church. When I came back, I took a marketing class as an elective because I, I was like kind of a write-off class. I was like, mm-hmm. I just want to, I'm curious, like, what's the business world like? Yeah. And that was kind of my first entrance, my sophomore year of college into like the marketing world. And I was like, oh, this is way more fun than trying to learn thermodynamics or like strengths and materials or calculus three. And yeah. I was like, okay, how do I do this instead? And because it's a technical major, like I would have had to repeat the first two years of college if I switched to a business degree. But because I lived in a Spanish speaking country for two years, 
I could test out of Spanish credits mm-hmm. and major in Spanish and not have to repeat those years. Nice. And so then I was like, okay, my goal is MBA school. So let me just graduate as quickly as I can to then go to MBA school. And that's where I'll get like uh, that, that formal education. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somehow I landed an internship my senior year of college Still as a Spanish undergrad, mm-hmm. but I landed an internship at this outdoor sporting goods company called Amor Sports in like their in-store marketing department. And uh, that was in the summer. They liked me enough that they turned it into a full-time job before that last semester because I graduated in the in the winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of took off ever since. Just kind of took a full-on dive in there. And so I think like even growing up, I've I've been very curious of a lot of different things mm-hmm. and like trying out a lot of things and failing a lot of things along the way as well. And so a, a lot of my life has been like pivoting, like yeah. just saying, okay, this isn't going to work. So I'm just going to go over here and do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this didn't work. I'm going to go do this. And I think as a marketer, that is super key because you're you're testing if you're a good marketer you're testing things out all the time yeah um and so i i think that really helped me kind of hone in like it's okay to fail Mm -hmm. and you should try to push yourself to fail in some way shape or form to then learn from it and get better um i think that drove a lot of like early career caleb of just trying to learn as much as I possibly could to then get better and improve. When you were a kid, did you, did your parents sort of instill that in you or did it not really come until a little bit later? I would say they, they did inadvertently, Mm -hmm. if that's how you say that word. I believe so. Um, Because I, I tried a lot as a kid, like I played soccer for a couple of years and didn't really love it. Wasn't really super good. And then I went into baseball Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this, this is pretty fun. I kind of enjoy it. And then like completely got my trash kicked in (laughs) freshman year of high school. And it was like, all right, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And then switched (laughs) to something else. Um, So I think I, I always like experimented. Like my, my parents were really good about giving me kind of the freedom to experiment with things. Mm -hmm. And if I, like, I think I even tried karate for a while and piano lessons and like just trying a lot of different things to Mm -hmm. see what I would dive into more and like enjoy it more. So I think, yeah, they, they didn't like directly you know, create an environment of like, all right, you're going to fail here, but we're going to let you, you know, over here. I think it was more just having the freedom to choose what I wanted to do and give me the freedom to dive as deep or as shallow as I wanted to in that. Yeah. So, so you didn't, um, you, you didn't really know the marketing world until you were almost graduated from college. Right. So yep. up until yeah. your senior so, year, what did you still think you were going to do something with the uh, aerospace or were you doing something Spanish or what did you think up to that point? Yeah. So I had switched like halfway through college to Spanish major. Mm-hmm. And it was like that was kind of when I was like, I want to find a career in marketing. Mm-hmm. And Spanish is the quickest way to get there because then I'll go to MBA school and that's where I'll I'll get that. Um, in the meantime, after I took like part of that marketing class was, uh, like creating a product and creating a plan to like launch the product, mm-hmm. like 
a fake product. Yeah. And I really liked that process. In fact, if I remember correctly, the, the product we created was uh, comparable to like the Manscaped razor oh, yeah. that exists today. Yeah. Like that, that hit me a couple of weeks ago where I was like, I'm pretty sure that was our project in like, in like <laughs> college. Um, and so since I really liked that process, I was like, okay, how, how can I get some experience without it like being my education or being like a career quite yet? So I started doing like I translated documents and like finding like marketing pitch decks and I would translate them into Spanish mm-hmm. or from Spanish to English. Um, I I had like this custom dress shirt subscription service that wanted me to go do summer sales in Texas. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, but I noticed you're not on social media. You should be. How about you let me like experiment with you and you can just compensate me on sales that come through it. Yeah. Um, So like I was doing things to like dip my toes in different areas of marketing while I was still in college because I knew that's where I wanted to go. And I think that may have led to an internship with that company mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, this guy's like putting an effort into learning how to do things in the business world. So yeah, he should be a pretty good intern. What was it about the company when they're like, hey, we're going to hire you. And when your internship's over, what was it that made you think, uh, I, I got to stay, I'm doing this full time. Was there, was it just the team environment? Was it the marketing aspect? What was it that made you just want to keep going down that path? I think it was the potential for growth. Uh, I was pretty good at making it known like, hey, I'm doing so much work. If I leave, no one else is here to do it. Mm. <laughs> and so I would, um, I, I made that pretty apparent to the team. And I, I became pretty close with like a lot of people, not in my direct team, but because it was like more of a portfolio company and we were, a shared team. Like yeah. I got to work with several different brand managers and like the creative team and like the commercial team and sales. And so that's what I used my internship to do was just to like network within the company, learn what other people do. How does my job affect what they do and how can I make their lives easier? Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, I was like, oh, I, I became good friends with the Sunto brand manager. It's a sports watch company. And I was like, I kind of want to do what he does. And so like there was a lot of potential and there was a lot of growth happening in the company that it wasn't too far of a stretch to be like, I could be in his position in like a year and a half. Um, so that that was really great. And like the senior leadership there within the company, within the Americas here was really great as well of like welcoming me in and answering all my questions. And I... I was able to make a good impact there. It, it's funny because my my boss that I first had when I first joined was not the best boss. Mm, like yeah. she was very micromanagey. Uh, I, she wouldn't let me like explore a little bit more within my own role. Like mm-hmm. I had to go outside my role to to learn more. So if I had just based it on my relationship with my boss, I probably would have been less inclined. Yeah, but because I was able to network internally. That's what really kickstarted like my career and seeing the potential of what I could potentially do. It's amazing the influence people have, right? Whether you're a boss or even an executive or higher or whatever, it's amazing 
the influence they can have on um, in, an individual person at the company who they may not even remember their name later. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how long were you at that company? So I was at that company for, I want to say it was about, let's see, like four years. Okay. And within that time, I had five different positions. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that was the other fun thing is like, you could very easily move around yeah. and be okay. Um, yeah. So it was about five years. I would say uh, when I left, I was the um, senior marketing manager for the Americas for like the brand Sunto. So mm-hmm. Becoming the brand manager for Sunto is what I ended up achieving, which is really cool. Um, and it was a it was a really fun, fun ride there. Yeah. And it on the topic of this podcast, like we did a major transformation to be more digital mm-hmm. throughout my time there. Like I, even though I started in like in store marketing, working with retail partners, mm-hmm. we very quickly like we had a whole like project team and like leadership team all about bringing our company more digital in in nature more direct to consumer more digital experience so Mm. um seeing that then that's kind of what i used to dovetail into my next role um at the company gibson which makes guitars um wow and they they're also a portfolio company and so like they didn't have direct to consumer. Like you couldn't go onto their website and buy guitars when I joined. Yeah. And so the the mission was we want to go direct to consumer. We need some people to help us. And so that was my like task when I joined was like, all right, we're gonna go direct to consumer. Had they like already made that decision? Everyone was on board by the time you got there, or was it kind of pushing up against um, you know, some of the like old school thinking where, well, nobody's going to buy a guitar without touching it and hearing it. And, or, or was it already a decision that was made? So when you got there, it was sort of smooth sailing. Let's make this a more digital flow. On a senior leadership level, it was already made. Um, because actually my two previous bosses from the outdoor sporting goods company Mm -hmm. moved to Gibson. So like they were also brought in to help with this and that's how I was able to come in. Um, so from a senior leadership perspective, that was the, already the plan, but like the sales team was very against it. They were like, mm-hmm. no, you're going to like destroy the sales of my top accounts and you're going to do, uh, you know, you're, you're going to change marketing dollars away from spending it with like a guitar center mm-hmm. and spend it on promoting like your own products. And so a lot of our discussions were no, like a, a raising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Like, People who want to shop at Guitar Center will still shop at Guitar Center. Yeah. People who want to order online that we're missing out on currently, they don't have a place to to get that full like Gibson experience. Mm-hmm. So what was the what was the digital transformation that that you went through? Did you redo the website, the front end, the back end, made it e-commerce? What was it that you guys tackled while you were there? So while I was there, it was, um, the website team was kind of already on it when I joined, Mm -hmm. I was more on like the marketing end of it. I'm like, okay, we're going to go direct to consumer. How do we market this thing? And so it was tackling paid media. It was tackling emails. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have any like marketing type emails. It was all just like transactional. 
yeah, your your order has shipped. Mm-hmm. Um, so ramping up email marketing, uh, getting our social media more streamlined and like talking more about like products and stories and storytelling, Mm -hmm. um, what content would be on the website I was involved in. Um, it was, it was a lot, especially with a company like Gibson, which had like, they were releasing hundreds of SKUs every single year. So like every month, every week we would have a new launch. So it's like, okay, all right, how how are we promoting this? How are we talking yeah. about it online? How are we driving people to our website? What's the conversion rate like? What's the copy like? So yeah, it was it was hectic. I bet oftentimes as a marketer, you were like, slow down on the SKUs. We don't have enough time. Like if we had more time to work on this SKU, it would have been better. Some of them will hit, some of them don't hit. Was it kind of like that? Yeah, 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 for sure. It was like, okay, what's our marquee story for Q1? Yeah. And they were like, Oh, we have to pick one? Yes. (laughs) What is the story? Like, where are we going to have the most inventory and what product has like the highest benefit? That's where we're going to put our money at. Um, We have these ancillary launches. Mm -hmm. That's great. Cool. We'll still put like our tier two package on it. Um, And and that seemed to work pretty well because like Gibson did a lot of artist guitars. Yeah. So like uh, one of their best launches was the Adam Jones guitar from Tool. Hmm. And there was like some good content plans around that. And that alone is what sold out that guitar. Like we didn't have to run paid media. We didn't have to like do a lot. So that wasn't like the marquee story for that quarter because we knew, hey, if we only put 20% of our resources towards it, it's going to sell out and and we'll be okay. Um, So yeah, it was, when you have that many SKUs, like you just got to, you got to focus and rally behind a few yeah. that the most amount of people will relate to. And then you can start to really see success there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Um, you know, my last company, we had 12,000 SKUs globally and, and <laughs> it was, it was, it was tough. And, you know, some, some years we would launch, you know, 50 to a hundred new products per year, but never get rid of any yeah. of the old ones. And so we never, really had accurate data on what was doing well and you know what what was doing well because of marketing versus just like natural stuff right but i i can only imagine working yeah. at a at a place like gibson i'm sure there were um you know there were struggles and 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 stuff like you're you're kind of talking through with like so many skews coming out but imagine imagine the flip side i worked at um, extra space storage um, about okay. 10 years ago. So, so what's sexier to promote a storage unit or a Gibson guitar? <laughs> Come up with a new story every quarter <laughs> to promote a storage unit. On a storage right? unit. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we had some su- success on, on, uh, you know, a couple of the quarters. It was a, it's a growing company and, um, they're constantly acquiring new storage units. I, I feel like when I was there, one of the acquisitions was like a billion dollars worth of storage units. Like it was a huge company. Holy cow. Yeah. Huge company. And we had, um, we had a really good, uh, marketing team. And when one of, one of the, the groups that we're working on, so one of the promotions made a video that, you know, hit millions of views, which was a first for, for the company. And so that, that was pretty cool. Mm. But when you look at storage units, the, the data shows that, um, on average, people have a storage unit once in their lifetime. And it's usually 
a difficult time. It's, uh, it's moving and downsizing. It's a divorce. Mm -hmm. It's a death. It's, you know, something that's more sad. So creating marketing around that, it was (laughs) difficult. So while I empathize with the amount of SKUs coming out, you still probably had a good time doing it with Gibson. Oh yeah, for sure. Like Gibson, like there was, there was one day, so I worked remotely, but the office is in Nashville. And so I was out there working from the office for a week and here comes Slash from Guns N' Roses no just walking through the office. I'm like, okay, cool. Awesome. Like, I like th- that's the the ancillary benefits of working for cool companies yeah. is like cool things happen, uh, which I think is important to like always not take for granted. For sure, right? just be like, okay, like like this is yeah. pretty cool. And and I was only at Gibson for I I think it was a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't super long. Okay. So let's, let's talk through going from Gibson and we don't have to go through every single change or step that you went through, but like, how did you get to be, uh, you you know, the CMO of a really cool company and, you know, from, from being this marketing guy at Gibson, most of the audience that's going to be listening to this are business owners that are going to want tactics, which we can talk about here in a little bit as well. Mm. But for those people that are, um, you know, young or in college and they're maybe at the gym working out, just listening to this crazy podcast. What advice do you have for them <laughs> from going to where you were in college to be in a CMO? Networking. Huge. Like it's, it's, it, it's such a lame answer, but it's so true. Um, I wouldn't have even met like the guy who's the founder and CEO here at private auto. Uh, if it weren't for networking, um, they had kind of a, the, there was a fractional CMO doing some work for him. And I, I, I was, I'm friends with him. His name's Paul Shin. He's very popular in the Utah networking communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so he was doing a little bit of work for him and they were like, Hey, we need someone who's full time. Um, and he connected me with the founder of private auto and it, it, it all turned out well. So like y- you don't know who you don't know. Yeah. And the best way to get your foot in the door is by having someone else recommend you and oh, say, yeah. Oh yeah, you should check out this guy. Um, because otherwise like it's, you're just uh, another resume in a pile of resumes and it's really hard to stand out. So especially now, right? Like the, the it's so much more difficult to get a job now than it was 10 years ago because in, you know, in Utah and in the, in the digital tech industry, hundreds of thousands of people have lost their job over the last 12 months. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you you go on LinkedIn and you look at those jobs and I have a handful of friends who are still looking from after being laid off. And within like six hours, there's 800 applications. The only way you're going to get in to a good job is by knowing somebody who knows somebody. So let's let's dig in a little bit to networking. Like, is that just going to events? Is it on LinkedIn? Like, how did you find the most success in getting to know these people who have helped you out, you know, like Paul getting into this job? It's it's all about building relationships with no agenda. Like you don't even bring up that you're looking for a job the first few times that you chat with someone. Like that's not even part of it. It's it's getting to know each other on like a relationship basis and like getting to know, letting people get to know you as a person 
So then they're like, they feel comfortable like, oh yeah, I know this guy. I've chatted with him a few times. I've had lunch with him a few times. Really great guy. Like that's part of the conversation that they'll have with that other person. So not having an agenda is key. I think the other one is it, it does require getting out of your comfort zone and like going to events and chatting with people in the halls and uh, being active on LinkedIn just to share your insights and views and add value to people. Uh, LinkedIn's the bit like the easiest online place to network and then going to events is the best in-person way to go to network. And getting out of your comfort zone, like you said, like when you go to events, what do you wear? (laughs) So right now I wear a good old uh, tracksuit that is covered in QR codes and the private auto logo. And that's easy for people to see and recognize. There's Caleb. See him down the hall. There he goes. They know you and that makes that makes an impression. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Let's jump into what you're currently doing. What, what wakes you up in the morning? What, what excites you? What, uh, do you have any fun projects that you're working on, um, at, at private auto? Let's talk through that. Oh, just getting this thing off the ground, man. Like private auto is so cool. Cause we're changing the way people buy and sell cars privately. And so, uh, we, we have a, a few really fun, like influencer programs we're launching this year, uh, that are really exciting. Uh, we have a really cool product feature coming this quarter that I think is going to blow the competition out of the water, which is really exciting. Nice. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm excited about. Uh, what 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 keeps me up at night is in a business like Private Auto, the success of the company comes down to having a great product, which our product team is awesome, and we have a great product, and then like marketing. Mm-hmm. So like just me and my team of two others. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there there's a lot of weight there and that's that can be that can be a lot of pressure because if if the company doesn't do well, there's no one else to like point fingers like yep. it, it's all it's all me. Like that it, it ultimately falls to me. So that weighing that is is pretty fun in startup world. What do you mainly focus on? Let's get into some of the tactical stuff. What do you mainly focus on from a marketing standpoint that, so again, the majority of the audience that's listening to this podcast are, they're business owners, they're maybe just sort of dabbling in the, in, in the digital side. And they're like, I don't, I can't afford to hire somebody in house. I'm not sure if I should go with an agency but I need to do something. What like tactical things can you think of that would benefit them? Whether it's like, yeah, I, I mean, maybe maybe it's content marketing. Maybe it is social media. Maybe it's SEO. Maybe it's paid advertising, whatever it is. But like, let's dive into the details from somebody who doesn't have a marketing background. Let's talk through what yeah. they can do to help grow their business. I'll start off with a caveat. The type of business you have will dictate the best ways moving forward. Yeah. So um, for from what I've seen, social media is free, but it takes a lot of time and effort mm-hmm. to like get it up and running. And some businesses don't have that time. Um, so regardless of where you're at, I love it when like founders and CEOs are open. They're sharing the journey of their business. They are giving updates. They are giving their own struggles yes. on LinkedIn or TikTok or whatever it may be. Like that 
should be a part of like your strategy, even though it's not directly tied to the business, people will say, oh, like Eli, yeah, okay, he works for this company. Okay, so he's with this company and they like they see that as part of it. Yeah. Um, there's a company that I follow on TikTok uh, called EchoVision and I buy all my lifting, weightlifting supplements from EchoVision because like the founder is on there multiple videos a day being like, here's what we're going to do with this formula. Here's where we're struggling here. And like that visibility into the business, I really respect as a consumer. Yeah. And so it's top of mind when I'm like, okay, I need a new pre-workout. I'll check out what EchoVision has. Um, so I think to start off, that's the easiest. So talk about the journey be transparent yeah. and be be out there, right? As as the founder and the yes. owner. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I would say that's number one. Number two is finding is a good like content strategy because content will fuel pretty much anything you're doing online, mm -hmm. whether it's written, video, or photo. You need to have good content to be found online. So like the whole digital revolution is you are showing up where people's attention is. Mm -hmm. So if they are Googling something, your SEO content should be pretty good. Yeah. Like if they're Googling something in your industry. So one thing that we did at Private Auto, even before we had a platform, even before our product was launched, mm -hmm. we were writing articles and long tail keywords, things that we knew wouldn't rank for like six months. Yeah. And that has paid off in really big ways because a lot of our traffic is organic traffic. Nice. Um, so like even before you have a product, you can start writing helpful, valuable content that can rank well for Google. So it's the balance of like good keywords, but then like actually gives value. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's another. So I think like behind the founder and CEO being active on social media is like a good content strategy. And that includes like written content and like video content. I think what, if you're able to nail those two, you'll you'll be able to be present mm -hmm. where your consumers are at. So I think I think that number one makes a lot of sense, um, and I think is fairly easy to understand if you're a founder out there listening. Number two, when you say come up with a good content strategy. Let's dive into the how a little bit. Like, how would you work with your team or yourself? And what tools would you use? Like, if if I own a, a dentist office, how do I know what to write about? Mm, yeah. So I consider myself a really good generalist. But like, when I need like an SEO specialist, I know people to go to. Mm -hmm. So like, I would go to my SEO specialist. Like, all right, what should we do? Like, yeah. I know. There's some really good tools out there, like um, I think SEM Rush is one. Um, H H Refs is another. Mm -hmm. But just doing some like basic keyword research, even uh, there, there's a tool called Ask the Public. Answer the Public. What's called? Answer the Public. Yeah. That's it. Um, just to see, like, okay, what are people searching when they are in like the market looking for dentists, mm -hmm. like? It may not always be, what's the best dentist in my area? Yeah. Um, funny enough, that's how I found my dentist is like their URL is like bestogdendentist.com. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. That helps. I'll go but, there. But to your point, yeah. coming up with a content strategy, you can't write 15 blog posts about being the best dentist in Ogden. 
right? So like, it's right. cool to have that landing page and that URL. Um, but like, so that's one being, being the best, but then using some of those tools, like answer the public. And I really like answer the public because it has like, you put in a keyword, like, um, you know, best dentist or whatever. And it pops out this circle mm-hmm. that kind of goes around and it says the how, all the questions of how, what, when, where, why, all of those. And you take some of those, you can export them into a spreadsheet and you can sort of say, yeah. here's what I want to write about, or here's what I, I need my content team to work on and stuff. So, uh, you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned long tail keywords. Can you explain to the listeners what, what does that mean and why is that important for them to start with that? Yeah. So, Long tail is like, if I, I don't know, SEO specialists are probably going to like get on me for my answer because I don't <laughs> like know the exact definition. But my understanding is it's basically like the the ancillary stuff people search for where it's not like the highest volume. Yeah. So it's not getting like millions of hits a month. Yeah. They're, they may be getting like hundreds or thousands of hits a month, mm-hmm. uh, but they are directly tied to your topic that you want to be writing about. Yeah. Um, so like for us, we're in the automotive industry, like buying and selling cars privately. Uh, one long tail section is like license plates. How do you change license plates? When do you change license plates? How do you like, so license plates yeah. isn't directly, but we have really good articles and we rank really, really high for those. And so the traffic that does come through that, like we're, we're top of page one. So yeah. naturally they go into our flow and then they're like, Oh, what's private auto. And it's like peaking the interest. Yeah. So is that, that, I think that's huge for, so for a dentist, like, like you could talk about cavities, you could talk about veneers, you could talk about like all of these other services that you do. And maybe cavities, the long tail keyword would be something like how to prevent cavities holistically from home like that is your keyword and your title instead of cavities like you're not going to type in cavities and rank you're just you're just not you're not going to rank over (laughs) over wikipedia over all this other stuff but if you have that longer tail keyword like the the license plate uh, example is is a perfect example i love that you're not selling license plates but it does have to do with the automotive industry and since you have authority in the automotive industry in Google's eyes, talking about I- anything else that has to do with with an automotive um, feature or anything inside outside of the car is going to be huge. So I love that. And the beauty of written content is you can easily flip that into video content or like an infographic content. So like if you look at content as a whole, it can be super overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But then you realize like, oh, if I write a blog post like Denil, if I write a blog post on how to prevent cavities holistically. You can flip that into just you talking to the camera about how to do that. You have some fun graphics or trending audio in the background and you have yourself a TikTok. Like yeah. There, the, the ability to repurpose content makes it manageable for, for small sure. teams, for new business owners. And, and that's what I love about content because you can do it in like 10 different ways. That's vice versa as well, right? If you're a business owner and you don't have time to sit down and write content, but you can sit in front of a camera for five minutes sit down and talk about the same thing. And then there are tools or you can pay somebody on your team to transcribe it. And then you take that content and use it as your written content, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I I want to bring up, I would would regret it if I didn't bring up, and you've mentioned TikTok a few times on this, and I want to bring up the experiment (laughs) that you did with, with TikTok. 
as as a marketer, I love I love that you're doing this. I love that you're experimenting. Um, and I I do this in a couple different areas that we can talk about later as well. But tell me as a marketer what you did um, with TikTok and some of the lessons you've learned from that. Yeah, so I started a TikTok channel probably like two years ago, um, just kind of for fun. I'd put out random stuff, and then I was like, you know what? How how well can I grow this? And like, how can I create content that people may resonate with? Mm-hmm. And like, I just kind of growing it in secret. And like my my primary social platform has always been LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and, but I didn't want to be like. Hey, LinkedIn, I'm starting a TikTok account. Like I just wanted to do it on my own without really anyone knowing. Like there were like two people who I'm friends with on LinkedIn who knew I had a TikTok and that was it. Yeah. And I told them, I was like, don't you dare share my TikTok. (laughs) Like I'm trying to grow this on my own. And what I found is number one, you don't ever know what's going to pop off and go viral. Mm -hmm. You can't force virality. Um. Number two, if you do niche down, your audience will matter more than like your reach. Mm-hmm. So my TikTok account, it does I did not niche down. It's, it's filled with gym stuff. It's filled with random dances to training audio. It's filled with uh, the one that's blowing up right now is like an audio from a South Park episode oh, about yeah. a restaurant called Casa Bonita. Yeah. And... I went to Casa Bonita. It's a real place. And yeah. so I was using that audio. Wow, Casa Bonita. Woo-hoo! What's Casa Bonita? Oh, and that's blowing up right now. Um, you have a dog video. And I have, yeah, a dog filter where I was the number one video for that filter. is like a Mortal Kombat AI filter. Yeah. And I was the number one video only to be vested by um, the comedian... Oh, I'm gonna forget his name. He he he's known as like Fluffy, like Fluffy. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Iglesias, G- Gabriel yes, Iglesias. Yes, Gabriel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Gabriel Iglesias. He used it, and then his video became number one. Dude, you have 16.7 million views on that. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's yeah. just you sitting in the backyard. So here's here to your point of like you don't know what's gonna go viral and what's not. So don't take eight hours per TikTok video if you're a business partner out right. there, right? You're sitting, it looks like, in your backyard. It shows your feet sitting on like a chair kicked up yep. and you have your dog. And it's like 15 I was seconds. like, oh, this is an interesting filter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and and honestly, most of my videos, like they would probably do better if I like scripted them and worked on them a little bit more. But like, I'll just be sitting in my office or like driving home from the gym or something and be like, have an idea yeah. and then just go film it. Yeah. And then it'll take like five minutes to film do some quick edits inside of TikTok yeah, and then just hit post because I'm more concerned about like just getting posts out there to see what hits yeah. versus, yeah, to your point, like, and, and this is the hardest thing with business accounts and like business posts. Mm-hmm. You will spend way too much time. You will spend like two hours on a video and it'll get 200 views. Yep. It'll be in that 200 view jail. And it's like, yep. okay. But then you, if you only spent five video, five minutes on a video that did 10 million views, totally worth it. Yeah, totally. So yeah, that 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 was kind of the experiment was just like, okay, can I grow this to 10,000 followers? And if I hit 10,000 followers, then I'll share it on LinkedIn. Just like let people know, hey, yeah, I'm actually on TikTok. Yeah. And um, you're at like 12, over 12,000, almost 13,000 now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is pretty fun. Um, but like I said, I, I didn't niche down. Mm-hmm. So my audience is random people. 
So like, I don't have any like business takeaways of like, oh yeah, I grew my audience to 10K and I sold this much. Like, no, it's just content experimentation. So you're recommending to the business owners though, niche down. If you're a dentist, do it about dentist stuff. Like you can pop in family stuff here and there, but is that what you're recommending is like niche down to what you're good at? So that's what your audience is? Or yeah, or like insights into your business, like day in the life of like, it doesn't have to be like, here's dentistry 101. Like that's kind of boring, but like you create fun stuff. Like I've seen a lot of businesses, business accounts blow up because they're like, like dentistry, for an example, all the dental assistants would do like a dance to training audio and they'd blow up. Yeah. So like, it doesn't have to be about dentistry. It's just you're within the realm of dentistry or people that are part of your business. And I love watching the chiropractors. Speaking of local businesses, they put the, <laughs> yeah. the microphone on the back and it cracks and you hear it. And yep. yeah. So I did two years ago, I did a similar experiment with, with TikTok, And I was, I was like, I just like, I, I don't want to tell anyone. I just want to see if I can figure out this algorithm. And Gary V was really big on just post like four or five times a day, just figure it out. And so I would, I would go home, yep. put my kids to sleep and at night and I would go into my office and I would record a bunch of videos and put them in draft format. Now you can schedule them and all that. You couldn't do that before. So I'd put them in draft format and then I would just set set timers throughout the day and my watch timer would go off and I would go and publish, publish, publish. So it took mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. took um took me 13 days to go viral. I put I, I posted five times per day. It took me 13 days to go viral and my third and my uh on that the, the last one I posted that day now has over 16 million views. Nice. What what was that video on? We went out to the San Diego Zoo and I'm like recording my kids okay. and and this walrus, like there's small ones here and this walrus that is just the biggest thing you've ever seen comes out and every kid, not just mine, every kid goes. And I put it to the perfect music and just bam, it just spiked. And and then the next day I got 200 views on one and 300 yep. on the next. And then it yep. was like, I did Kobe Bryant passed away and I did one that got like 900,000 views on him and then 200 views the next day. And so like, I never knew. And one thing, yeah. like I tested the algorithm and I thought it was fun. I, I ended up getting like 60,000 followers from that one video, um, which is, nice. which is crazy. Right. But Dang. to your point. They're all a bunch of kids who just like funny animal videos, right? <laughs> yep. So, yep. yeah. And when, well, that's the thing about TikTok I've noticed too is like TikTok is a, they push out a lot of videos, right? Mm-hmm. I've noticed when I hit follow on someone, I see a lot less of their videos. Same. Same. But if I'm it, like, if I'm just going through for you page and I'm like watching a lot of the same person, yep. I'll see more of their videos because the TikTok is like, oh, you've stayed like a minute watching their video let's show you some more yeah and then when i hit follow it's like oh wait where'd they go um but like the easiest way to think about content too is it either entertains educates or inspires so if it falls into one of those buckets Mm. you have a higher chance of like going somewhere with it yeah there's tons of other factors that play into it but that's helped me kind of like narrow in my vision of like is this funny is this is someone learning something from this or mm-hmm. is it like inspirational in a way? So yeah, that that's always helped. Love that. Uh, the, the one regret I wish I would have done that I didn't think about cause I was just testing the algorithm is I wish I would have put some kind of lead capture in the, in the bio where I could have, you know, yeah. down, download this free guide. Then I would have 
you know, I would have more people in my email list that I could promote today. So if you're a business owner out there right now and you plan on doing TikToks, TikToks do not convert to business very well, but they are a huge lead capture. So if you can get people on some of those viral videos to download your free uh, how to brush your teeth guide for dentists or whatever it is, then you can, you know, remarket to them later on and push them down the funnel. Yeah, I with my account. So because I test, I've tested a few ways. I did set up like I made it a business account for a little bit so I could have a link in my bio. And then I was like, oh, maybe I just want to stick to a creator account. So I turned it off when I hit, I think it's 5,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you then can have a link in your profile. Mm. And I had totally forgot that I had that link. So then all of a sudden there was this link tree link in my bio for like a good month before I noticed it oh, nice. that had a bunch of old like referral links. And I was like, oh, whoops. Uh. So <laughs> just make sure like your link is the one you want it to be. Yeah. In case you do go viral and get a bunch of uh, followers yeah. and you unlock that, then that's, yeah. So Just a tidbit learning from that. So let so let's switch gears. Let's talk about the future a little bit. Where do you see the future okay. going um, in 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 the digital space? Like it, yeah, let, yeah. Let's open it up. What I, I want to give you ideas on what I think. Let's hear what you think. Where is this going? <laughs> I think more transactions will happen where people are spending their time. So like TikTok Shop released last year. Um, now it's kind of over the top, mm-hmm. but. When it launched, um, that was really interesting because now all of a sudden creators could just add a product to their profile and if they get a sample, they can show it off and it's like all these influencers all of a sudden now can like promote your products and you can transact right in your social media app. Um, That company I mentioned earlier, Echovision, they they hit like $3 million in a month just from TikTok shop. Holy cow. So like, and like they were, they're a new company, but like they blew up and TikTok shop was a huge part of them blowing up. So I, that's where I see the future is like wherever people are spending time. That's where you need to be. That's where transactions are going to happen. Oh, I love that. Um, I just saw an article that said X, formerly Twitter is going to introduce at some point this year, like peer to peer payments Hmm. within like to be like the Venmo of like social media. Yeah. Um, so you're telling me the guy who owned PayPal now is bringing that PayPal technology <laughs> to X. Yep. Wonder where he got guy that idea. who owned X.com. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You have a whole tangent there. Yeah. But I, yeah, but I think we'll start to see more like e-commerce and like business happening where people are spending their time. Um, I think like VR, AR stuff is still going to increase. Mm -hmm. I still think we're a ways from like mass adoption of that stuff. Yeah. And like having it be a part of the purchase journey. Um, I feel like though, yeah, those are kind of be my predictions. Like we'll, we'll see more social media shop experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see more VR, AR experiences, Mm -hmm. but that won't be the primary method for a while. Yeah, I yeah. love the the, yeah. the shop where you are. I, I see that a lot with influencers. I've been in the direct sales space, and a lot of a lot of the stuff that the influencers in the direct sales space do happens on the platforms that they're on, right? And yeah. so I can see that being big. I think influencers are going to continue to grow as far as like how 
um, how businesses interact with them. And maybe you can speak to this too, because you, you're working with some influencers, but I, I think it's different than, Hey, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars. Can you say my name? Like, I don't think it's that anymore. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. How are you working with influencers right now? It's, you know, we're looking for like the natural integration to the video because like, especially on YouTube, if you get really detailed with it, you can usually tell like now that YouTube shows like mm -hmm. most viewed areas, I've noticed on some bigger influencers, their peak is right after an ad spot. So like mm -hmm. you can tell people are clicking to skip ahead to skip that ad. Mm -hmm. So the more natural the integration. So like for us, buying and selling cars privately, right? So we're like, okay, if you're selling a car and your video is about your car, film the transaction happening. And then like people don't necessarily like, they don't realize like, oh wait, this was an ad for this company. Yeah. You know, instead of the like hard stop clothing change, you're in a different setting. Like mm -hmm. today's video is brought to you by this. Like people like don't like being sold to and they don't like the pattern interrupt yeah. from it. I, so, I hate it personally. I think people still do it because it works, yeah. but the, the, if I see a TikTok shop video pop up, I just skip past it now. Right, right. So like, yeah, TikTok shop has gone crazy. I think they like overdid it. Yeah. Um, but the like, did you ever order anything from TikTok shop? No, I, I just, I, for, for whatever reason I have in my mind, I don't trust them yet. So if I find something I like, <laughs> I go yep. to Amazon and I look for it. Yeah. In fact, so this is a, I, like, a, a perfect example. This little timer, it's all uh -huh, over yep, the TikTok shop. TikTok. It's all <laughs> over the TikTok shop. And yeah. I, what, for whatever reason, I just went to Amazon. I found one that had like 50,000 reviews and I bought it. Yeah. So like Echo Vision, I purchased the first couple products. We're through TikTok shop and the experience was actually super seamless. That's what makes mm. me think we'll start to see more of it yeah. because you see it on a video. All you do is tap. And if your credit card info stored, there's like two tap process and it like, that's it. Hmm. Like, and you don't ever leave TikTok. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that, that will become a more natural thing as like scams are removed. Like when yeah. I hit, <laughs> when I hit 10,000 followers on TikTok and I had all my invites open, I like get three to four TikTok shop invites a day to like collaborate, but then I click on them. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is a scam. Like one was like a, a female like yeah. bodysuit company. And I'm like, did you, I'm not going <laughs> to sure. promote that on my channel. Like, no. Uh, like one was like butt lift leggings. And I was like, ah, I don't think anyone wants to see that video <laughs> of, of me in those leggings. So no, thanks. You don't know um, until you try, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It may go viral for other reasons. I don't know. Well, I think those are some really uh, fantastic takeaways. I appreciate you coming up with those. Um, so so I, I ask a handful of questions at the end uh, to all the podcasts. And so let me let me let me ask through ask through some of those questions uh, for you. So okay. um, if you could go back in time and give some advice to your younger self, um, what would that be? You can do more than you think you can. Nice. Yeah, self-confidence is something I've struggled with like my entire life. So if, I, yeah, if I could tell my younger self like, hey, just go for it. Yeah. Just believe in yourself because you can probably do like 95% of what you think you can do. Yeah, it's all going to work out. Um, and then you did mention yeah. earlier um, for like 
if you had advice for college students, which I would tell my younger self is relationships are everything. And you, you brought mm, that up. I look back at, um, you know, the college relationships I had, how many of those, how many would I still have if I would have known how important relationships were and how many of those would still be fruitful today if I would have taken more time yeah. to really get to know people and, and care without what you said, care without any expectation in return. Right. Not trying yes. to sell something, trying to just get to know people. So I think that's great. Um, what, what types of, what books, podcasts, leaders, who inspires you? What inspires you these days? Ooh, that changes like every week. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I, like, honestly, my boss, the founder of Private Autos, Brad Parker, he's just an amazing guy. Uh, super friendly, super down to earth. You would have no idea that he like built and sold his previous company. Um, lots to learn from, from him. So great follow on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always a Gary Vee fan just cause yeah. he always has this pulse on social media. So, uh, looking forward to his new book that's coming out this year. Yeah, me too. Um, I've switched a lot of my reading over to fiction books. So, okay. uh, more entertainment reading than like trying to learn something. I got kind of burnt out in, uh, 2022 through 2023, I read like 70 oh, different wow. business books. I was just like, oh, I did. And then I was like, hold up. I'm not applying like the stuff I'm learning. So let me just slow down yeah. and like try to apply what I'm learning there. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's not really like a good answer to your question, but that's... no. That's and, and now the podcasts I listen to are like fun podcast yeah so like I've, I've switched more to like entertainment types of media consumption yeah um because way more of my day is taken up by work now Serious in the startup stuff. world so yeah. i'm i'm like i just need to i just need to relax a little bit good for you man i think that's i think everyone needs to needs to take that advice these days the world's a little bit chaotic <laughs> yeah. and a little bit of fun in your life and fiction is, is probably a good thing. Yeah. Yep. Well, Caleb, I appreciate you taking the time to jump on and, and talk through uh, the digital revolutions podcast today. Um, I think that we got a lot of, of good advice from you. I think that there's a lot of good uh, golden nuggets that business owners can take and implement into their uh, business. If people want to get a hold of you, um, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn is where I'm most active. So just my name, Caleb Whittle, and that's Whittle like you whittle a piece of wood. All right. Um, yeah, you can connect me with me there. Um, and then I'll just uh, leave it up to you to find me on TikTok. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I won't give out my handle there. I won't. I won't, I won't give out the uh, the secrets there. But yeah, LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. Very cool. I appreciate everybody jumping on today um, and listening to the podcast. Uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the episode today. Listen, I know how valuable an hour of your time can be, and for you to take that busy time out of your day and spend it with us, it really means a lot. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider liking and subscribing on whatever platform you're on. And don't forget to leave a comment. Tell us what you thought about the interview. Ask us questions. Let us know what other digital topics you'd like to hear about in the future. We're here to add value to your life and elevate your digital presence online. If you'd like some help doing that, reach out to me at fireusmarketing.com. See you on the next one.